This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutia Man Celebrity Interview is up next, but first... Take a listen to this other fine old pie show. I'm Kimmy. I'm Tommy. And I'm Sam. And on this week's episode of And Friends. New episode of And Friends coming to an ear near you. We're going back to our roots, right? Yeah, we're getting deep into our roots. We're going back into vaginas. We've gotten some news from Burger King. We're we're getting all feminine in this one in my mind. Even my my trip. Tommy, Tommy, you can't you can't eat chips while we're doing our promo. Apparently I can. You do it on the show. Well, God. Listen to Ant Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opi show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Okay, Dave, this is uh, this is fun. We we always like having writers on the show, and this uh, man. On today's show, wrote the uh, 2019 memoir, The Lie, a memoir of two marriages, catfishing, and coming out. And it was a New York Times editor's choice. And I should tell our uh, our guests that uh, Dave and I are publishers, and we've published over 60 books, and none of them have ever been on the New York Times editor's <laughs> choice list. So, so we uh, tip our cap to start the interview. Uh, uh, so I hit it out of the park on the first one. You did. So let's uh, give a big welcome to our author uh, here, William Dameron. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. I, you know, I want to start the, the show off here with a, a quote from the late great author, uh, Toni Morrison, that uh, you often share. Mm-hmm. And that's, if there's a book you really want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. Now, your your story is so interesting. I'm, I'm not surprised at all that there, <laughs> that there wasn't someone else that had written it. But that pretty much sums up why you did it, it doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I, you know, when I was looking for my story, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I found maybe more books that were prescriptive and less literary or in a memoir form. Um, And it was important for me to tell my story. Um, because I wanted to help other people who were going through the same thing. And I understand why it wasn't written. Mine's a little unique. There are a lot of people who are in this situation, have been in it. Um, But there's also a lot of stigma and shame in coming out later in life, especially when you've been married and had a family. So I think that was part of the reason the book hadn't hadn't been written or the story hadn't been shared. but I felt like it was just really important to share that story. Yeah, tell us a little bit more. You know, uh, the 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 evolution. You know, from the you you, you got married to a woman, uh, Catherine, I believe her name was Catherine. Is that her? Catherine. Name? Yes, that's right. That's right. So, so yeah. t- tell us a little bit about your marriage. You towed the line, right, and then right around what forty three, you you came out, right? Yeah. So. Um, Catherine and I were married for more than 20 years. I grew up, I grew up in the South uh, in a Catholic family. It was very traditional, very religious. Um, you know, it was the 60s, 70s, 80s 
those were my formative years. You know, when I was born, um, being gay was, it was listed as a psychological disorder. So, um, there were no role models. There was no internet. I, you couldn't reach out and find out any information. And, and often the term pedophile and homosexual were used interchangeably. Right. So yeah. when you internalize that, you feel like there's something intrinsically wrong with you and you're going to do everything you can to correct it. The only way I thought I could be happy was to get married and have a family. And I wanted kids terribly. Um, there was no way a gay person could have kids. But also, I met my wife. I did fall in love with her. I had these feelings, but you push them down and you say, you know what? I'm going to be a good, upstanding Christian man and do the thing that I need to do. And we did and do love each other. We had two children. I cherish those years together. I cherish my children. Um, but I made this promise two decades ago, and the world started changing. Um, and you find yourself kind of stuck in this place of um, continuing to lie and telling the truth were both forms of betrayal. What do you do? Well, when you find that your partner, spouse, whatever, is starting to feel inadequate and is starting to feel like something's wrong with them, then it's time to step up and say, yeah. uh, I, I've got to stand in the truth. I can't do this to, to my wife anymore. And to be honest with you, it wasn't me saying, hey, I'm going to come out. It was my wife who... You know, it's an American tale. It takes place in a Walmart parking lot. She, <laughs> we pulled the car over, parked the car, and she said, I have to ask you this now, or I'm afraid I never will. Are you gay? And um, surprisingly, I answered, I don't want to be. And that was the truth. It was the truest answer. But it was the start of then really living in that truth and allowing us both to, to sort of move forward. Wow. If I'm familiar with the with the background, uh, this kind of started off as a blog. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. You were writing it as a blog. I have one of my books. I wrote a book called Father Knows Nothing. is is also you know based on columns and blog posts and stuff like that. And th so, did people encourage you while you were writing this blog to put it together into a book form? I did. I remember. I remember one day somebody sent a tweet that said. William Dameron should write a book. And I was like, what? No, I'm not going to, like, what would I write about? Because my blog was actually called The Authentic Life. And it was all about um, my life after leaving the closet. So um, I also could not find that story where, you know, somebody leaves the closet, they meet the love of their life, they get married, and it's just the normal sort of everyday kind of stuff that makes up a life, a happy life. And so it was anecdotes about my life after leaving the closet. I had not really written a lot about my life 
in the closet in the blog. So I didn't consider writing a book. Um, but then that's when I started to look around and I was looking for my story and I couldn't find it and felt like, all right, this is what I need to do. The Huffington Post picked up a blog post and I was like, all right, that's success. That's all I wanted. Yeah. But as a normal human, it was like, all right, you get that little taste and you're like, no, now I want to be paid for what I write. Right. So I published in the Boston Globe. And that's and for all you writers out there. The Huffington Post doesn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they use it. that's right. If you're a blog writer for the Huffington Post, you are paid in exposure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Likes. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm glad you did. We're, mm -hmm. We are worth more than that. So writers, you need to be paid and you need to demand it. Um, so then I published in Salon and then finally the New York Times. Um, and then I realized, OK, yeah, I think I can I think I can write a book now. That's great. You have two daughters, correct? Two daughters. Yeah, actually, I say I have four daughters because my husband has two girls from a previous marriage and a son so we have five kids together wow brady wow, bunch yeah, kind, yeah yeah kind of a yeah five six of a brady you're 87 percent of a brady bunch nice work Ooh. we call it the gaty bunch but yeah <laughs> that's, that's awesome uh, uh, um so you know i have daughters and i know how just wonderful that relation you know that father-daughter relationships and it can be complicated there's no doubt um you mentioned, I think, in another interview that even before your book was published, you considered it a remarkable success based on the reaction of your daughters after they was yeah. it like a first draft or a second draft that they read it. That really resonated with me when I read that quote. Tell us. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that whole emotion, giving it to your your kids. And forgive me if I just start bawling while you while you <laughs> say this. Right now. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's. Um... When you write a memoir, you you don't go through it alone. You know, uh, nobody's going to read a story where you're not like digging deep and describing all of the relationships you had. And nobody climbs out of a hole by themselves. So I brought my family with me on this journey and I had to write about them. And I had to do it in the most compassionate and caring way because it, 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 that includes not only my daughters, but my ex-wife, my mother. Mm. There are reasons the way there are reasons for why people acted the way they did, and I really had to examine that and expose that and see life through their eyes. Um, so I tried really hard to do that with my daughters. My youngest daughter was a big supporter right away. Um, She's more of the extrovert, and she read it, and she loved it, and thought it was great. My older daughter, she was, um, she had more of a difficult time, not with me coming out, but simply that her parents got divorced, and life for her changed, and it would never go back to what it was. And so there were a lot of wounds that she had, and it took a lot of years to get through that. And we were in a really good place. And I told her about the book and I sent it to her and she would bring it with her to work each day. And during her break, she'd read a little more and she would send me a text and say, 
uh, wait a minute, you never told me about the stuffed animal that you and mom replaced that I didn't know about. It was all these little <laughs> secrets like that. And right. then I got a text one day that said, um, I feel like I've entered a whole new world. There are questions that are answered that I didn't even know how to ask. And I feel like I've been angry at you for all these years and I shouldn't have been. And to me, that was success. I didn't have to publish the book after that. Um, yeah. It healed old wounds. And I had always heard stories about how memoirs sort of bring up a lot of pain and angst and bad feelings, but I didn't know it could actually help and heal relationships. Um, so it let me know I did a good job in taking responsibility for my actions too. Um, and I have to say the same thing worked with my mother. I was terrified to send it to her and I waited for a long time. I talked to her about it and I sent the advanced reader copy to her. I don't know why, but it ended up getting to her like the day before Mother's Day. And, oh, boy. Um, Happy yeah. Mother's Day. <laughs> yep. And uh, so I texted my brother who lived in the same town and he said, uh, okay, she's got the book. She's opening it up now. And it was kind of a play by play. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, she started reading it. She started reading it on Mother's Day in the morning. And she read it until 2 a.m. the next day. And she sent me wow. a text that said, I couldn't love you anymore. So, Aww. success. Yeah. yeah. This also, is when I start crying. <laughs> I also <laughs> like the story of uh, when your uh, husband, uh, Paul, read your book. Because you're, uh, you're sitting next to him <laughs> on an airplane. And I've had this experience with my wife where I, I have, you know, I've, I've written for many years. And every time I give it to her to read, and then I sit there right next to her, <laughs> and I watch her expressions. <laughs> and, you know, is, is she laughing at the right time? At what point did he just want to reach over and punch you? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I gave it to him. You know, I I told myself when I wrote the book, and you've probably been through the same thing. I am not going to give this to anyone until all the edits, the proofread. You know, yeah, you work sure. with an editor, yeah, they yeah. come back things might change. So why give it to somebody before right. he knew generally what I was writing. Um, but I gave it to him. He put it on his iPad and it sat there for like a week and I was getting angry. Yeah, that would have pissed me like, off too. <laughs> uh, shouldn't you pick this up right away and read it? I'm sorry. I bled onto a page for you for the last <laughs> yeah. year. Right, right. <laughs> At least get out a Kleenex and wipe yeah. off the blood. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me dust this off for yeah. you. Um, <laughs> so... We got on a plane. It was a cross-country flight from Boston to San, San Francisco. We both had business in San Francisco. And um, he pulls out his iPad, and he props it up on his little table. And I'm like, you are not going to read this sitting next to me on a plane. And it was full, so there was a woman sitting next to him. And he's just like, he, he claps his hands, you know, like a little kid, like, yay. And he starts reading, 
and he's flipping through and then i see him like bobbing up and down because he's laughing and i'm thinking okay this is good this is good and he gets to the last page he spent the entire time reading it he gets to the last page and he's swiping his finger like trying to get to the next page uh-huh. and i'm looking at him like that's the it end. <laughs> wait you want more what more do i have to do for you yeah, <laughs> yeah. he sits there and i'm like well and he holds up his finger like i need a minute and then he starts bawling and I, and I start crying and then the woman next to us is looking over like what right, right, is going right. on can i have your peanuts <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah are you gonna eat those just cry oh boy oh that's that is just wonderful um yeah as of coming out at age 43 isn't enough of a life event to write a story or write a book, which it is. Tell mm-hmm. us the story about the catfishing part of it. So as I understand it, people of dubious distinction were using your photo on what dating sites to catfish other people. Yeah. Um, so I had actually already started writing my memoir um, when this began Um I received an email from a woman, and it's the first line of my book, your face has meant a lot to me, but now I found out it's a lie. Good morning. So you get an email like that, and the first thing you think is, all right, spam, delete. Um, But it was really well written, so um, I just thought it was an odd occurrence. And the next morning, I received a message through Facebook from another woman who said the same thing. Um, and so I went back to the first woman and said, okay, sorry, I didn't reply to you, but I think something's going on with my picture. Can you, can you give me a little more information? And she told me she, um, did a reverse Google image search on my picture and found me, found the real me. Um, she had a four-year online relationship with somebody who used my photos. And it's a very much more detailed story. Um, And and it's in the book. She was actually a romance writer. Um, So, you know, I think that the whole romance was already in her head. Um, But she said, uh, you know, I, I did the same thing. I did a reverse google image search and then i found out that my profile picture matched up with the search term 40 year old white man and 40 year old man selfie so men can be kind of lazy yeah exactly first picture uh, (laughs) i kind of look like this guy you know why not i'll just use this one it's not a celebrity okay nobody's gonna know this guy so i'm just gonna use this picture and set up um a fake profile um and it happened it it was more than one person and and i think it was just because it got got combined with that search term and i have heard from i don't i have lost count 30 or 40 women um who have been catfished and they've invested a lot into this relationship they have like they've poured out their emotions uh there was 
there was a woman recently who contacted me um, who the guy was going to give her a car. Um, none of them have yet said that they were asked for money. Um, it was all sort of just for relationship. Um, wow. And I still to this day continue to get people. Finally, like last year, a man contacted me and said another person was using my picture. I'm like, yes, finally, a gay person is using my picture. <laughs> That's a, quite a burden being generic 40-year-old man for the entire country. Yeah, yeah we're I, I, Rick. I'm actually looking up uh, doughy bald fat guy, and there, there I am. <laughs> Craziest thing. Now, William, it appears that since you did this uh, book, uh, you've had a, a blitzkrieg of creative energy, uh, and yeah. and is this now something that you're going to be spending the rest of your life doing as a writer? I just do you have like a is this like a creative rush? that has come upon yeah, you. It really is. Um, before I came out, um, I wanted to be a writer, but you know, the, the adage is write what you know. If I had written what I knew, then I'd be exposing my secret. So I couldn't right. really write anything authentic. When I came out, there's this huge rush of energy and creativity because now you're not worried about what people are going to call you or if people are going to say you're gay yeah i am okay i take it as a compliment um and so it was really empowering to sort of write down the thing that you think you couldn't say it was like i gained power over the truth yeah. by putting it down on the page um once i've and, and i've published a lot of essays now um and it's 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 it is a rush it's exciting it's also humbling to get emails from people who read and thank me um for sharing my story so i want to continue to do that i've written the truth and so now i'm working on a novel um because now i feel i can tackle that um and I'm working on one that, you know, when you step out of nonfiction to fiction, yeah. you still sort of need that framework of truth to work in. Sure. And so I'm reexamining the summer that I spent with my aunt, who was a lesbian um, in Colorado. There was a very complicated relationship between my aunt and my sister and or I sorry, my aunt and her sister, who was my mother. And so I'm reexamining that and and turning that into fiction. So it, it's a historical novel set in the 60s and 80s between these two very strong women who both were seeking acceptance in different ways. And neither one could really sort of find it. And and their nephew and son was sort of trapped in that. And it's what we do when we pass down shame as a family heirloom and how yeah. we escape that um so it's it's similar to what i write it's family secrets it's um that's your genre have, that's your genre yeah, it is. that's my genre <laughs> i've discovered it <laughs> so how far along are you on this project um i 
I had written, my agent has really been like taking me to task to say, okay, we need to keep going. Yeah. So I, uh, come on, meal ticket. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Papa's got to eat. Come on. Let's go. Yeah. I had, um, we usually talk about it in, in numbers of words. So it was around 40,000 words and okay. sent it to him. And now we're reimagining it. I had, first had the viewpoint of it being more from the viewpoint of this boy who is is navigating coming out in the 80s and my agent is fantastic in terms of being a developmental editor he said you know the story here really is these two women and you need to change your viewpoint and he was exactly right he was actually exactly right when he told me that my memoir needed to be more than just coming out and that he said that catfishing angle that's what you did to everybody in your life you were catfishing for real like your wife and your kids and the world so it it's it's interesting when you just make that slight change you begin to see how this affects everybody else and it's less focused on yourself and I think that's always really important when you're writing a story is to look and look at the motivation of your characters. They all have desires and flaws and things they're, that they're seeking. Hold that thought. We have to take a break. Minutia Celebrity Interview will be right back. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, what in the heck is a banker's box, Steve? I never knew what that was. In all these years, I'd never heard of it. Just like you probably didn't have much dealings with a hope chest. No. Well, everybody should keep a banker's box handy, just in case. We'll get into all of this on the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Zoom fight or flight. Joe Biden's dog takes a bite. A happy Irish song. Jenkins works at Burger King. And Rick uses his axe with Jim Peterick. All that in unlimited tangents. Listen to Minutia Man on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we talk fastest, rudest, oddest, and more. Cars and drivers, that is. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Lou Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is back. So if people want to find you, William, what's the uh, what's the best way to do it? If they want to look you up, they want to read more of your stuff. Plug where, away. Plug away. Plug yeah. away. Do a search for 40-year-old white man. <laughs> uh, you may find me on a dating site. I'm joking. Um, they can find me at www.williamdamron, D-A-M-E-R-O-N.com. And I'm on Twitter at WC Dameron, on Instagram at WC Dameron as well. 
thank you so much for being on the show. We really enjoyed having you on. Oh, I've enjoyed it too. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Thanks, William. And much health to you and uh, good luck with the book. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla, Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, Adam, tell the people what the Champions League is not going to have this time for the first time in many years. Two best players, arguably, of all time, will not be playing anymore in the Champions League. Got to listen to find out. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. This is Stick to Everything. I'm Larry. And I'm Paul M. Banks. This week, we decide to get a little bit zen with things in this pandemic world. We look at the simpler things in life and getting back to nature and just how much we've learned to appreciate things we may have overlooked before. Again, doing things simpler, doing things better. And yes, I even talk about my car and how much it still means to me. Is that zen? We think so. Take a listen. Maybe you'll think the same, too. Listen to Stick to Everything podcast with Larry Hawley and Paul M. Banks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits.